So, every time you come forward to receive communion, the priest says to you, the body of Christ, right? And you respond, amen, right? That phrase, amen, actually means, yes, I believe. So what's happening when you come forward to communion is the priest is making a statement. He's saying this little host that you're about to receive or this chalice that you're about to drink from, is he, this is the body of Christ. And you respond back by saying to him, I believe that. That's true. I want to receive his body. But have you ever stopped for a moment to actually think about what that means? Have you ever stopped to think about how that actually plays out in your life? Or where that idea came from? That's pretty crazy, isn't it? This little piece of bread, that thing that looks like bread, this thing that appears to be wine, we say is no longer bread and it's no longer wine, but is actually the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That's a crazy statement. But you know where we get it from? It actually comes from Jesus himself. The night before he dies, at the Last Supper, right? Jesus is there with his apostles. And let me read what he says to us. It's from Luke 22. He ends up saying to them, and then he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is the first one. He takes the bread at that meal, he turns it into his body, and he gives it to his disciples. And then what does he do? He actually gives them a command. He orders them to do something. He says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Do this in memorial of me. And that is continued to be handed on. Think about it for a second. If Jesus commanded his apostles to do something, if Jesus told his apostles, you have to keep doing this, you have to keep taking this bread, allowing it to become my body, and offering it to others, don't you think he's going to give them the power to do it? Right? That's nuts to think that God would say, congratulations, I have a job for you. You have to do this, but I'm not going to let you do it. You don't have the power. But this may make sense. So it's pretty clear that Jesus wants this. And actually, if we keep going on a little bit further, we, should, we know that the earliest Christians actually did this themselves. St. Paul, living a little bit after Christ, you know, he was alive when Christ was alive, but preaching the gospel just afterwards, he goes on to tell us what happens. It's remarkable. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So St. Paul is telling us, look, those apostles who were there with Jesus handed this on to me. And have told us we should continue doing this. Remember Jesus' command. Do this in remembrance of me. But it gets really interesting. It's kind of a nuanced position, but if you go a little bit further, he says, For anyone who eats this bread, who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon themselves. 
He says, look, if you're not in a right relationship with God, you shouldn't come to communion. Why? Well, if it's just bread, it doesn't matter, right? You can have bread the entire year. But he says this because he says, look, this is the body of Christ. So if my actions, if the way I live my life doesn't say, yes, Lord, I believe you and I want to follow you, then aren't we hypocrites to kind of come forward and say, you know what? Amen, I believe this is your body. I want to become one with you. Right? There's no doubt that this is actually his body, blood, soul, and divinity. You know, it's even, even earlier before this. When Jesus is first starting to travel around, he's starting to preach, he's doing all of these miracles, and people are being healed. And what ends up happening is he amasses a massive group of followers. These people are just fascinated. How can you cure these people? How can you perform all these miracles? And then he says to them, he gathers them around, he begins to teach them, and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have eternal life. Whoa. That's kind of gross, isn't it? Imagine if I came into this room to you and said, you have to eat my body and you have to drink my blood if you want to go to heaven. Pretty gross, right? But that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to go to heaven, then you need to eat my body and you need to drink my blood. He doesn't say it's optional. He says, here's the path to heaven. And you know what happens? It grosses a lot of people out. And all of these followers begin to leave him. It's interesting, though. Jesus doesn't change his teaching. He doesn't see the people leave and goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't really mean that. He doesn't say to them, you know what, I'm just kind of like speaking figuratively. You don't actually have to do it. No, he actually sticks with it. He says, unless you eat my flesh and unless you drink my blood, you cannot have eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a God who cares for me and I know a God who loves me. It's a pretty mean person to say in order to have eternal life and live with me, you have to do these things. But guess what? You can't actually do it. So if Jesus is going to tell us, if you want to go to heaven, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, then don't you think he has to give us a way to do it? Yeah. Where does that come from? Well, if you stop and think about it for a second, he's giving us that command. He's giving us that strength. And when I recognize that, when the end goal of heaven is in my mind, I don't know about you, but I know I'm not perfect. I hope none of you think you're perfect, right? Hopefully we're all good people, but none of us are perfect. Somehow, in some way, I need to be saved. As Christians, of course, we know that we're saved. How? By what Jesus did on the cross. Right? But here's the problem. That event on the cross happened over 2,000 years ago. I didn't live then. I didn't exist then. How do I get to participate in it? Am I just out of luck because I was born 2,000 years later? No, there's got to be something that ties us into that. That something is what we call the mass. 
right? Because what happens at the Mass, the same thing that started that whole thing on the cross, we go back to that. That cross is made present for us. Just as at the Last Supper, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. What does the priest say at Mass? This is my body, this is my blood, do it in remembrance of me. Now, of course, that's the priest acting in the person of Christ, right? That's not me, Father, saying, here, eat my body. Again, that would be gross, right? This is Jesus. It's us being brought back to that moment where we can be saved. Now, look, that's all academic, right? That's all things that happen in our head. It's things we don't think about that often, right? Let's talk about what we do think about often. Let's just be honest, right? Let's be real. There are days on Sundays when we wake up and we don't feel like going to Mass, right? There are Sundays when perhaps there's other more important things in our lives we think that are going to keep us out There are times when we come to Mass and we go, this is boring. I don't get anything out of it. Well, hold on. Don't we actually get something out of it? We actually get to receive Jesus. Jesus becomes one of us. Let me tell you a story. In eighth grade, I was playing soccer, and it was goal. And I don't quite remember everything. The last thing I remember was going out for a ball, and the next thing you know, I got kicked in the side of the face. I kind of remember blacking out. I remember waking up, there was grass and dirt in my mouth, and I remember not really being able to move my mouth. I had to like claw the dirt out of my mouth. Don't worry. There's a dentist on the team. His dad, you know, his dad's a dentist. Who then proceeds to tell my mom that there is absolutely no way you can break your jaw by getting kicked in that way. So mom decides, I don't have to take you to the doctor. You're good to go. For two days, I can't eat. I keep saying, Mom, this hurts, and I'm not eating anything. So finally, she decides to take me to the doctor. The doctor comes in and he says, There's absolutely no way you broke your jaw. But we'll take an x ray just to say it did. So he takes the x ray, he comes back a little bit later. And he has to apologize. Because I actually broke my jaw. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of anyone's broken their jaw. It's one of the worst things to break. Because I couldn't eat solid food for six weeks while at youth. And at first, I thought this was great. I was like, you know what, great. I like milkshakes. I mean, that's all I can eat, right? Well, the problem is, one, milkshakes get old really quick. That's all you can eat. And two, they don't actually fill you up. So here I was going to school, trying to keep up my activities, and I couldn't really eat anything. So you are all too young. I didn't know what this stuff was until I broke my jaw. But they actually sell these little cans of like shakes that they're like called Ensure or Boost. These things are nasty, right? Now, there's no, they come in different flavors, right? They'll tell you there's chocolate, they'll tell you there's vanilla. There's one flavor, nasty. There, there's no way of making that stuff taste good. Trust me, I tried. I tried to milk, mix it with a milkshake. I tried to mix it with anything. You cannot make that stuff taste good. But that's all I could have. It wasn't fun. I didn't like it. But you know what? I actually kind of did like it. Have you ever gone to Bible without eating? You get a headache, right? You don't have a lot of energy? So before I started drinking that stuff, and I told my parents, I'm not touching that stuff. I had the first taste of it. I said, no, I'm not. This is nasty. But finally, the headaches, the hunger got so bad that I said, you know what? Fine, I'll do it. Like, I will do anything now to get rid of the pain of the hungers and just sort of let my life be normal. 
So I never liked the taste. I will never like the taste. But I actually kind of enjoyed it. Why? Because it was actually benefiting me. Didn't taste good. It wasn't fun. But it actually gave me what I needed in order to be able to function. Sometimes the mass isn't going to be fun. Sometimes we're not going to feel like that. Sometimes maybe our whole mind isn't going to be in it and we're not necessarily going to recognize what the universe is. Sometimes it's going to be like me when I first tried those Schnitzer chips. And we're like, no, that's gross. I want nothing to do with it. But you know what? It was actually benefiting me. It was actually helping me. Same thing in our spiritual lives, right? If we eat food, to sustain our natural bodies, right? If you don't eat, you eventually die, right? We're good? But what do you think happens on the spiritual life if you don't eat? You wither away, right? This is why Jesus says to us, at least unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have eternal life. Because he knows that somehow we have to get some kind of nourishment to our spiritual life. And what better nourishment is there than his whole body? So that's the challenge for us, I think, sometimes. Is to say, look, it doesn't really matter what I feel like. If I have a goal in mind, if my goal is to get to heaven, Jesus has laid it out perfect for me how to get there. Eat his flesh and drink his blood, and you can have eternal life. The reality is we may not be able to understand we may not be able to see why that little piece of bread is actually Jesus. And we can talk for a long time about very complex religion or very complex theology. And there's a place for that. But if you were to ask me the number one reason why I know that bread and that wine that I receive is really Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. If you were to ask me why when I come forward to receive communion and I say, hey, yes, I believe, it's actually a simple answer. Because Jesus tells me that's what it is. I don't really have to think about it. Jesus is clear. He says, this is my body. Do it in remembrance of me. So even on those days when I'm tired, when there's days I don't understand you when you why do I come forward? For two reasons. One, Jesus tells me it's his body. And two, he says I have to do it. I don't know about you guys, but I guarantee if I was handing out $100 bills every Sunday morning when you came for communion, this church would be Right? 300 bucks. You're going to show up church every Sunday. But if that Eucharist is really Jesus, aren't we handing out something more important than a $100 bill? The reality is there is no possible way to be a Christian and not accept that the Eucharist is truly Jesus. Because if you do that, you call Jesus a liar. If you say that bread is not truly Jesus, you might as well just turn to Jesus and call him a liar. Why? Because he said it was. I think that's the challenge for us, is to stop sometimes and step back a little bit and say to ourselves, you know what? Maybe I don't understand it all, and that's okay. Maybe I don't feel like it, and that's okay. But I know what Jesus said, I trust it, and so I'm going to do it.
want eternal life or not? Because the evidence is there. The challenge then is to stop every Sunday when we come into this church. And before you say amen, to remind yourself of what you are receiving. And then to be able to say, all right, Lord, I know you're at work in my life now because you're one with me, whether I can feel it or not. It's like that shake that I'll never drink again if I don't have to. May not be pleasant, may not be the best thing in life, but it's there helping me.